You can call it kooky or you can call it necessary. But today's conversation, we are going into an area uh, that, if we're not careful, can be highly speculative, but I also think is a lot of fun and very interesting to talk about. We are today talking about UAPs, UFOs, and aliens, and the theological implications that uh, those, the existence of those things, um, maybe even the reality of some of those things we could say at this point, have on our faith as Christians. Today's guest is Adam Francisco. Adam is a scholar in residence at 1517. He's on the Thinking Fellows podcast. Um, and he also, I don't think we mentioned this in our actual conversation, is a former Navy SEAL. So he has some military experience, has heard some stories, a few of which we kind of mentioned towards the end of today's episode. Uh, but I think you'll find if you listen to our conversation, we try as much as we can to stay uh, on the ground to look at things from a reasonable perspective while also um, having a little bit of fun and also having some some freedom within the Christian worldview that we hold to question, are these things real? What impact do they have on what we believe? This is Outside Ourselves. I'm Kelsey Quimbera. Here's today's show. Adam, thank you so much for uh, being here today. We are, I'm, I'm really excited to chat. We're talking about a topic that is, um, I feel like the best way to put it is theologically, I'm going to, this is going to sound so corny for me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Theologically sus, as the kids say, it's a yes. little bit suspect. Um, and <laughs> Bruce Hillman, our colleague even said that it's not reputable and something that, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily engaging in, but we're going to go there anyway. We're talking about UAPs and UFOs and <laughs> aliens today and the theological implications of all of that. Um, but before we jump into those topics, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, I liked how we when we started recording, you were already smiling and kind of giggling because we both know this is going to be a, a wild <laughs> ride. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm Adam uh, Kelsey. You and I have worked together off and on for yeah mm, four or five ish years at fifteen yeah. seventeen. But you've been there the whole time. I took a three year hiatus when I thought um, I could uh, uh, change. Uh, a higher education <laughs> landscape and I learned three years later that I couldn't so I came back to 1517 but I am um, a scholar in residence at 1517 and a or the director of the academy uh, 1517 your listeners probably know but if they don't we just launched a new online learning management system that mm -hmm. houses and manages all our courses that have been recorded in the past we had nine or 10, depending on how you count them in the past. And now we're adding newer courses to that yeah. um, with a, you know, in terms of production values, just remarkably uh, better. But uh, before all this, I was for the better part of two decades, um, a 
professor of history at uh, various colleges and even for a short time, three years at a, a seminary, a Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort mm. Wayne, Indiana. Right. Um, and, uh, and for the last three of those 20-ish years was in higher education administration as a dean of a college, a founding dean of a college and a assistant provost. So I'm... You've got yeah. the cred. Well, and the reputation, even if we're talking about something non-reputable today. <laughs> yeah, and, well, I sh- and we should say, like, maybe as a caveat, my a- academic specialty is like reform or 16th century history, uh, both European and Islamic, and Islamic theology and Christian apologetics. And mm-hmm. interestingly, I do have a tiny bit of interest not like because i'm like personally interested in it, but i just find it so fascinating in this these weird thing conversations that go on in theology um yeah one 20 ish years ago actually yeah i guess it was probably 20 years ago when i was finishing up my my dphil um or phd i was trying to scrape together whatever money i could so i could take my wife out for dinner every once in a while when we were living in oxford and um so i wrote these I edited and wrote these Bible studies that I'm not going to even give the titles to them because they're <laughs> kind of embarrassing. Um, and one was on uh, issues. I think it was like a, something about faith on the edge was a series. And mm-hmm. one of the one of the books was on spirituality where I looked at like yoga and transcendental meditation and so on, like in a Bible study format. And then the other one was on like the frontiers of science or something. And that touched on the issue of extraterrestrials and contact. Cause this was, I mean, this was the movie contact was still, a, was at that time a couple of years old, but it was still kind yeah. of in people's collective memories. Well, and X files um, was probably around that time that's right. too, right? All the shows and entertainment aside with aliens, uh, we're having this conversation because this last week there was a house, subcommittee hearing i think i'm getting that correct on uaps which is now now stands for unidentified anomalous uh phenomena it was aerial but they because of these all these sightings of uaps they've seen many of them dip into water i think that they changed it for that reason um so it was on those uaps used to be referred to as ufos if that's familiar to anybody. And they had three witnesses testify, um, witnesses that they're kind of deeming, at least one of them is like a whistleblower mm-hmm. um, to this phenomena and to try to get more information about what's going on. And I think for me, the most, and I've seen you know a lot on Twitter that this is getting way overemphasized. So I'm curious on your opinion, but the most interesting part of the testimony was one of the witnesses, David Grush, said under oath that um, he has heard from other people. So he hasn't seen them himself, but he has heard that there has been non-human biologics recovered from one of these um, (laughs) UAP crashes. Um, which seems to refer to non, 
non-human bodies. That's where people are going with this. Like the U.S. government has alien bodies and they're not releasing that information, Um, which leads to all sorts of theological questions, I think. Um, Is there, are there higher life forms? What do we do with that theologically? Um, So that's why we're, that's why we're talking today. I want to get your thoughts on the hearing a little bit, but I also know that you've written some in the past as a historian on the history of Christian thought concerning extraterrestrial life. And I think that's really interesting because it's not something necessarily new. It's been, people have been writing on it for centuries. So can you kind of tell us a little bit more about um, the history of that? Who's written on it? What are the takeaways that we need we need to know historically on this topic. The thing that sticks out for me historically when it comes to extraterrestrials or whether or not the, the way that's usually framed in theological circles, and I use the term theological loosely here uh, concerning extraterrestrials, is um, a po- whether or not we live in a populated universe. Mm. Um, the episode that sticks out in my mind is when there was a he was a Dominican monk okay. uh, named Giordano Bruno, who was also involved in hermeticism, like secret to uh, religious perennial philosophy, which is a word salad there, but uh, kind of <laughs> occultic type of practices right around the year 1600. Uh, he oh, wow. suggested that it was probable that our universe was teeming with life. Mm. And I don't know how much longer thereafter, but the, the papacy executed him for that and other, other um, heretical reasons okay. or other reasons of heresy. Um, there's also, I've not read it, so I can't speak a whole lot about it, but I've learned there's a book, I presume you can get on Amazon now, but um, called The Secret Commonwealth that was written by a Scottish, I think a Presbyterian in somewhere in the, the later 1500s that suggested that earthly governments are in cahoots with celestial governments in governing and ordering and uh, our world such that the the normal human population, people like you and I, if we're counted Mm -hmm. as normal, Kelsey, um, (laughs) are basically, though we're not aware of it, uh, slaves of the sort of shadowy celestial government. Um, I don't remember, recall the author of that book and it okay. probably was published anonymously. So it might be speculative who wrote that. So, so going back to the time of the reformation, you've got stuff like this. Um, some of their early church fathers, I want to say, and I'm, you know, our colleague, you mentioned his name, Bruce Hillman will, can correct me on this, but I'll just say it just in case I am right. Uh, Tertullian, I think toyed with the question or asked the question, Hmm. Uh, what what uh, the atonement of Christ on the cross uh, would mean if there were other forms of life out there. But it was just purely yeah. a hypothetical. He wasn't suggesting that there were. Yeah. Um, so th- it's not that it's not been part of the Christian conversation, especially when Christian theologians have speculated about the mysteries of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um because there is, the, the, the Bible is a book, especially here, 
we have 1517 would love to make the point that the Bible is a book primarily about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament yeah. is pointing to Jesus Christ. The New Testament is pointing back to his salvific work on the cross and resurrection from the dead. Um, there's other stuff in the Bible, to be sure. There's historical records. There's um, ethical, moral um, exhortations and, and so on. There's even a creation narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that's reliable and inspired and so on. But it doesn't give us a history of the universe. It, yeah. There's a whole lot. When you're thinking on a cosmological level, um, there's a lot that the the Bible doesn't, I mean, a, a whole lot, <laughs> if I can qualify right. that a bit more. Yeah. But the Bible doesn't give us. And, um, you know, we're in the Lutheran tradition. Luther tells us that God gave us our reason and our senses and preserves, still preserves these and gave them to us so that we could figure out our world. And he, of course, meant the world in front of our eyes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but by extension, that in, that also implies figuring out the natural world. Uh, in many yeah. ways, science, you know, the, there is this, uh, this, it's a tired thesis. It's called the conflict thesis in science. It goes back 200 years or so. Uh, I think the first name was Anthony Draper is like one of the more famous historians who described all of science, all of science's religion or a relationship with religion or theology or the church has always been shaped by conflict. And hmm. that actually just is not true. Uh, there have been more recent books. Stephen Meyer's The Return of the God Hypothesis is really good on this, that, that make the point that science, as we know it in the Western world, in many ways is a result of the Christian and Christian theologians' desire to learn more about our world hmm. um, that the Bible had not given us. So when you're thinking about the on a cosmological level, it's it's perfectly natural, I would think, or it's not abnormal to wonder what's if there's anything else out there. But there was a book uh, published like 1968 or nine called Chariot of the Gods by Eric von Daniken that that um, is it's fairly famous because it it popularized. Uh, these alien encounters and um, abductions and so on experiences uh, in in the popular arena, and um, that 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 was laughed at, you know, twenty years after it was published. But now there's new folks, including there's a, probably the most famous would be Paul Wallace. He's a former Anglican pastor or priest okay. uh, from Australia, who's written pretty extensively on what he calls. Uh, paleo contact that is okay. contact between extraterrestrial UFO alien type of civilizations and human beings in in these lost civilizations and this oh, is a, interesting yeah so this he's guy, looking at it from a historical like testimony perspective he, he is it, it's so if I can be a little nasty it's a little kooky <laughs> yeah because um, he's looking he's purporting to, um, so he looks at uh, old Sumerian and um, Egyptian, uh, Minoan, you know, these ancient civilizations that we don't know a whole lot about, you know, the evidence Mm -hmm. from them is pretty scant. Um, But he 
draws these detailed conclusions about how these civilizations were probably the result of um, extraterrestrial in intelligence. And this this is not like the guy you see in memes who says, who's from the History Channel, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. This is not that kind of kookiness. <laughs> this is um, at least has the appearance of pretty sophisticated reasoning. Now, it's, it's conspiracy okay. theory, to be yeah. sure. But the interesting thing is, from a theological perspective, is he's taken what he believes is uh, the historical record, and that has transformed his worldview such that he interprets the, especially the Old Testament, in light of that. Um, okay. Right. I mean, this is you're you're probably thinking, what the heck is Francisco <laughs> talking about? But for him. Well, that that oh, means ahead. he's like the foundation for him isn't necessarily um christ then it's this hypothesis that there's extraterrestrial life and that's how he's that's the key if you know we use christ as the key uh as chad bird's written about then that's the key in which he's interpreting everything is that a good way to think about it that's a perfect way of thinking about it because he does in fact he he speaks in that way uh, when he's interviewed, he's got a, a a bunch of books that have Eden in the title. I know there's a movie mm. called Exit from Eden. I have no idea what that is. I don't want to know what it is because I have um, it's sus, as you might say, or as the kids say. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's um, exiting from Eden is probably his most recent one. Okay. But he, yeah, he he says as he was studying these ancient lost civilizations, or civilizations we know very little about, like. You know the, the the civilization that grew up around the island of Crete, the Minoan civilization. Mm. He, you know, we know almost zilch about it, except that it's a pretty uh, organized and advanced civilization for the ancient world. Uh, he he argues that, in light of that and others, um, that changed his worldview such that he he left and relatively speaking, and I use the term very broadly here. Orthodox Christian understanding yeah. of the biblical text to one that has been replaced by this, where the extraterrestrial intelligence is kind of the center now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's remarkable stuff, though. If you're, I mean, I would maybe caution uh, your your audience here that if you're reading this stuff, you might want to make sure you've you're not. Um, drinking a beer or something like that because you might all of a sudden think wow because he is he's 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 relatively speaking using air quotes for those who are just listening to this uh persuasive because he's he's a he's no dummy <laughs> so where where would you say what what kind of tethers us from on one hand being afraid to ask the questions or feel like we can't ask the questions because the bible doesn't speak about mm -hmm. these things um and on the other hand, going the Paul Wallace route and diving head into the worldview where um, all of a sudden aliens are basically our ruler and or in our co-rulers with, with God or whatever it may be. Like, how do we kind of uh, bridge that gap? Is it through reason? Is it through um, just adhering to faith in Christ? Maybe it's both. I don't know. I think it's, it's a, it's both. Yeah. I mean, faith in Christ is always, or a Christ-centered worldview is 
I mean, always a good place to start. Yeah. Um, you know, the scriptures tell us that uh, in Christ, all things hold together and yeah. all things hold together. That's if, that's from uh, Colossians and that whole first, it's like the first 20 verses, I think, in Colossians has cosmological ramifications. It's talking about the whole universe is held together uh, providentially, but also redemptively by Jesus. So that's a mm. really great place to start and a great um, central or focus point uh, from which to build a worldview, if you will. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the question, cosmological, scientific, natural questions, questions about the natural or material world, there we use our reason. Uh, but we, we always have to, on one hand, have to place reason under revelation. Yeah. Um, it, it, the way the reformers would speak of, of reason's proper use is that it plays a ministerial or a serving role mm -hmm. to uh, the Bible or biblical data uh, or you know, biblical doctrine. Um, on the other hand, though, also reason would tell you that if, there, if we're to speak about extraterrestrials or life outside off this planet if you're going to speak about it as if it does exist there ought to be some physical evidence that it does exist yeah and while right. there are people who claim there's physical evidence what's remarkable is how if you not that you want to spend a whole lot of time doing this but if you look at what some claim is physical evidence of uh, extraterrestrial life more often than not, there's another voice apart from somebody saying, yeah, this is evidence. There's probably a counter argument. So in the, the Bible study that I wrote, you, which you referred to earlier, um, there's a little paragraph or two that I have on this um, meteor from Mars, allegedly from Mars, that was discovered in Antarctica. And it's okay. got a number. Um, I think it's AL. H, it stands for Allen Hills, and then it's 8,001 something. But it was this potato-sized four-pound uh, meteor that they discovered in Antarctica that they discerned most believe was from, from Mars. And it looked like in it, there were fossils hmm. from small, simple cell or simple organisms. That was like 1980s. Okay. In fact, I remember... I mean, I don't know when you were born. We don't need to talk about age because I'm certainly much older than you. <laughs> but I remember President Clinton um, giving a speech when this thing was discovered and talking about how this might just transform our understanding of, our, of the universe or at least our solar oh, wow. system. And um, so 10 years after it was discovered and there was all this media attention about these fossils on this this meteor, um, it was just that that was just natural occurring um, stuff. Oh, they, they weren't fossils. So that's the way it typically goes. Yeah. So, so reason would tell you, if you're going to explore this, be very, very cautious with what, that's the way science should operate anyway, that our, our statements about the natural world should correspond to the evidence from the natural world. And you ought to be, if you're a reasonable person, be fully aware that your your bias, your worldview, your your agenda, even though you might not think you have one, uh, mm -hmm. is going to also cloud your assessment of evidence. So, yeah, that's helpful. Uh, On Twitter the other day, I was asking for 
resources on, you know, the theological implications of aliens. And one of our newer contributors to 1517, Amy Montravati, who's, you should read her stuff. She's really great. She's, um, she is excellent. Yeah, she's awesome. She uh, responded and she was saying that she's found it so interesting that so many, specifically so many non-Christians are so willing to believe um, that there are aliens, there's extraterrestrial life, but they're so unwilling to believe in Christ's resurrection. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like there's, you know, we would say, we would assert there's so much more evidence for uh, the latter than there is the former. But I think we're all kind of, it's an, it, it's, it is interesting to think about in, um, there's a part of it that's fun or I don't know, we can get sucked into it just like we can get sucked into ghost stories and, and that type of stuff. Why do you think that is like, why do we want so badly for there to be as the human race for there to be something else out there? Uh, that's a huge question. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those, I mean, it, uh, I think, much bigger than just the specifics here. Um, yes. I think, okay. I, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but I would say why people would believe uh, like an alien type of narrative of things over yeah. against uh, the resurrection of Jesus, of which you're right, there's much more evidence for that, mm-hmm. uh, is because they don't want it to be true. Hmm. Uh, um, there's, so one of the guys who discovered the double helix in which uh, genetic code DNA yeah. uh, rides on, I think is the right language. Uh, the uh, Crick, I think it's Francis Crick, um, once suggested that uh, life came to Earth, the planet Earth, from some sort of extraterrestrial intelligence. So this is like a highfalutin, if, which is a technical yeah. term, I think, scientist <laughs> suggesting what's now called the theory of directed panspermia. That okay. intelligence out there in the universe seeded like meteors and crystals and things like that and sent it throughout the universe to see where life would take hold. And Earth just happens to be one of those places that's hospitable for life. So hmm. it landed here and evolved over the course of billions of years and so on. Um, I, I think in the case of like Francis Crick and those more scientific type of folks who will Mm -hmm. go for an alien narrative over the Christian narrative or worldview of things. It's they, they can't have Christ rising from the dead because that would be a miracle and miracles don't happen Hmm. in their, in their view. Yeah. So they're all, and you see this in the realm of like philosophy of religion uh, where in the last hundred years or so, and I would, I'm going to put another plug. I already mentioned his name earlier, but Stephen Meyer's book, the return of the God hypothesis is, if you're interested in cosmology and all these sorts of things is absolutely required reading. But okay. he, he argues that the big bang theory, which we're not necessarily buying it. I'm just describing it, yeah. not necessarily buying right. into it, but the big bang theory essentially, which is pretty much universally believed mm-hmm. uh, though there's variations on it. And there are some outliers who don't agree believe it but by and large it's the presumption of science regarding the universe's origins it suggests that the universe has origins that it's a finite thing that Mm -hmm. is there was a time when it was not and and it began it 
started to take shape at the Big Bang. Yeah. So you got so you've got a like what theologians would call creation from nothing or ex nihilo. Right. right. Yeah. And then you've got um, in the natural history of of Earth of the Earth, you've got like this fossil record where there's all these simple organisms. Then you get things like the Cambrian explosion, where there's this just explosion of more complex animals in the fossil record, which means hmm. much more complicated genetic code. So an increase, an influx of information, uh, genetic information. So which is co- uh, even the, the the great theologian Bill Gates, which is a joke. Um, but Bill Gates did once say that um, genetic information, uh, DNA is much more complex than any of the of the the computer codes he's ever seen. Hmm. Uh, so you, how do you account for like a universe popping into existence from nothing and then yeah. life all of a sudden, complex, diverse forms of life all of a sudden emerging pretty much out of nowhere? Well, yeah. Um, we would say, I think you and I would say, I would say, certainly I'm very, I'm very confident you would, you can, you can speak for me here. God created things, you know, Genesis chapters one through three, right? Um, but for the person committed to a non-theistic, that's an, ah, theistic worldview, an atheistic worldview. Yeah. You can't have it. So they come up with, uh, what sometimes are called rescuing devices theories that explain how it could have been otherwise that even though there's not evidence for it because they can describe it in a way that's coherent might in their view be true yeah so So they do that so they don't have to prove their hypothesis wrong yeah yeah because they're ultimately committed to a and they won't call it necessarily an atheistic worldview but they're committed to a material a materialist explanation of things that is everything has to be accounted for by appealing to natural or material causes. So if science is, um, has to abide by the, I'll call it the dogma of materialism, which is a kind of faith-like assumption. How else are you going to explain how life got here apart from some Mm -hmm. sort of other intelligent source? I think it's important to point out that there is something to be said of everyone having a worldview. Mm. Um, we, t- we tend to, I feel like as Christians kind of apologize for that. Like, uh, you know, I'm arguing from this perspective just so you know. And it's like other people don't necessarily start by announcing their assumptions or their, um, their biases, but they're there. Like everyone mm-hmm. has them. Um, do you feel like Christians are, or maybe even our specific theology and how you've come to understand theology is willing to challenge the worldview that we approach things with? Is that, is that important um, at, at some level? And do you think Christians do that to the extent where it gives us a little bit of credibility? So, um, for, for your first point on the, the primacy of worldview, I think is a point that cannot be overestimated. Um, everybody has a worldview. Um, and you are right that Christians are always apologizing for their worldview or on the converse side, there are those who would say, 
oh, worldview is not that big of a deal. Mm. Um, uh, Jim Sire was a reformed theologian, but a really good, not that you can't be reformed in a good thing. He was a really good <laughs> theologian, um, wrote a book that's oftentimes referred to on thinking fellows called uh, why should anyone believe anything at all but also wrote books on worldview the most famous was the universe next door and he argues in that book and other books he, he wrote on worldview that are more specialized that worldview is even more fundamental than theology hmm. like when we approach the biblical text to discern uh christian doctrine we mm -hmm. have, we interpret the biblical text in in light of a worldview that's it might be a vague worldview, but in light of a worldview that's already in place, already there. That's yeah, we like you. I mean, at least for me, and I, I'm going to assume again for you, uh, yeah. In some way, what you assume that words, when they say something, actually correspond to a reality, like right. the um, forgiveness actually corresponds to a real real forgiveness, yeah. and not just symbols. Um, that, but that's a worldview assumption. It's a good assumption. Uh, and it's in fact reinforced by biblical teaching. But, um, so I'm j just, uh, I don't want to, I could talk for hours on this theme. Yeah. I think it's extremely important to understand it. Now with regard to worldview, the Christian worldview and this whole question of aliens and so on, I think that's cause I've kind of forgotten what you asked, <laughs> but, um, are you, you were asking, does the Christian do you, worldview help us figure out? Um, do you think the Christian worldview offers a way to, um, or a freedom mm. to challenge or at least be honest about the worldview in ways that other worldviews don't? That's different than what I asked, but that's what I meant to ask, I think. Yeah. Well, yes, and I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> or I certainly hope so, and yes. I don't know what Can you talk, talk a little bit about that? I think it's come up often on this show, but I think it's a, a really important point and yeah. would be good to kind of talk about here. I, so the, the Christian worldview, especially if you're coming at things from a Lutheran vantage point, I would describe as an open worldview. Mm. That is a, a worldview that is at its best and always tries to ensure that it's its boundaries, its, its propositions are from the text of scripture and only from the text of scripture. That doesn't fill in gray area, uh, yeah. um, a historical or biological or scientific generally. Um, I think, so the a Christian worldview is ordered as we suggested earlier, should be ordered around the personal work of Christ. Um, that should be at the center. I think there's all sorts of things that Christ taught that tell us that there's a lot we can't really understand. Well, mm -hmm. A lot might be too strong. Maybe it's not. There's a lot that's beyond human comprehension. Think of the real presence of Jesus' body and blood in the Lord's yeah. Supper. Right. Any, anytime you try to explain that, um, I don't scientifically or rationally, you run into like the, the, I would call it an error, but it's, it's certainly an extreme description of that, of like transubstantiation or even something right. more modest, like consubstantiation. Those mm -hmm. are attempts to describe something that go beyond the text of scripture. 
Yes. And my view is, and I think this is the proper Lutheran, or let's just call it even historic evangelical worldview, yeah. or classical evangelical worldview, is that if, when it comes to things like the Lord's Supper or other mysteries, just let it stand and understand that um, we might know more later on. We'll certainly know on the other side of of, of eternity, um, but we have to be open to the mysteries in our world. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this question of UFOs and ETs and, and these things, it's in, there's nothing in scripture that tells us they don't, there isn't life outside uh, or off the planet earth. Yeah. Um, there's not evidence, certainly not strong evidence um, or evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that says there is life off our planet. Um, and the biblical picture suggests that earth is a, and the human race is like got the capstone of God's creation. Right. So I would say like biblical data would suggest that there, we shouldn't really expect it, but it doesn't mm -hmm. tell us we should dogmatically Rule say, yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, that's a mushy area. Maybe, maybe I'm taking a mushy position, but, um, there, well, there is a, no, go ahead. Finish up. And then I, I have a question for you. I mean, those narratives in the Old Testament about um, the sons of God coming down and so on are, there's a lot of mystery. Well, there's mystery in the Old Testament. And yeah. I don't I know how to account for it. I am not suggesting just to keep myself and you also out of trouble that they're extraterrestrials or anything like that. But right. there's there's a lot of mystery that we just have to take as what God has revealed to us and understand that and it's perfectly okay to try to figure out what that is, but under what we ought to reason should tell us be a little cautious with uh, where we land in terms of conclusions that we regard as true. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think what helps me in that or tethers me is that there are, there are specific things that, God has said to us that apply to us that um, are written in plain language, are mm -hmm. given to us, um, you know, through not only word but sacrament that we can rely on in, in spite of not fully understanding how that works and not fully understanding what some of those mysteries in scripture may be. I think my question, my biggest question is um, if, and this gets speculative, so I know we need to be careful, but if there is some other life form out there, and this is kind of how I'm, I'm getting this, I'm following basically, I think the line of reasoning that C.S. Lewis used, he wrote a little bit on this, um, and it was in a pretty recent Christianity Today article, so I can put that in the show notes, but if there is a non-human life form out there and they are rational and they are sinful, mm. which that's a lot of ifs, what does that mean for mm. um, the incarnation and does Jesus' death on the cross apply to them? Um, because I think I, I, I know that's speculative. 
Um, that's not like a thing that's in our face that we've got to figure out if it happens tomorrow. I have full confidence, you know, our faith in the, in scripture, um, we can still stand on it, but it is something I think, or an interesting question to think about. What do you, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? It's another, I mean, you've asked a series of million dollar questions, but this is the, (laughs) this is the real question about. Yeah. UFOs, extraterrestrials, or whatever, in light of Christian theology proper, is like what would it do to the Christian faith? Would it? Yeah. Should we alter our view of things? Should we? Would it cause us to abandon our view, our our faith? I mean, the only thing that should should cause you to abandon your faith and um, is if they found the bones of Jesus, right? Yes. Uh, which yeah. is an interesting thing in and of itself, but that's. Maybe we could do a conversation on around that on Easter, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, so Jesus took upon himself human flesh to die for human beings, men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the atonement is for the sins of humankind, the sins of Adam, the yeah. sin of Adam and Eve, and every subsequent generation that inherited that original sin and is guilty mm-hmm. of that original sin. Um, there's also interesting things in the new Testament, um, that would suggest, let's just say they did discover you, you call it like a rational beings, like green suited. Yeah. Big eyed people. <laughs> yeah. Um, who are, who are sinful. They sinned in their own way in their own planet somewhere. I can't believe mm-hmm. this is, this is, <laughs> Wild that we're talking about this. We're but, going, we're going uh, up the edge. Uh, we're going the, there. <laughs> First John says, and I usually use this um, to encourage our own pe- people who are in the Lutheran tradition to look a little outside themselves in their own little, uh, their own groups or denomination. But, and if I'm in a reform group, I'll use this text too. But uh, in the tr- extraterrestrial conversation, First John uh, says that Christ died uh for our sins but not only for ours but for the sins of the haloi cosmoi the whole cosmos hmm. now historically that means like the the whole world of human beings right is the way that's usually understood but it could be the whole cosmos uh we, okay. we know the creation is is groaning as a result of the fall so sin affected the whole natural order in some it, I don't, mysterious might be too strong, but that's the only word I can think of right now. It affected the whole natural order. Hence why you get mutations and, um, you know, things like men, men, there's men and women, but then there's like these very rare occasions of intersex, you know, you get these things like that. Uh, Christ died for that too. And it will all Hmm. be made right. I have to believe if there really are, extraterrestrials that Christ died for them too. Hmm. Uh, now that's a weird thing to say. And I hope nobody takes like a little sound clip from that and puts it yeah. on Twitter and gets me branded as some wild eyed history channel <laughs> guy. But um, I, I don't, it wouldn't affect my confidence in the truthfulness of the Christian faith. It would maybe yeah. have, to, it would maybe force me to expand my worldview, which if there's uh, evidence that is strong, biblical or uh you know natural should cause you to expand your worldview or really rethink Mm -hmm. where where the contours of your worldview end so yeah 
that's helpful. And, and another way um, that I was reading in this article to potentially think about it, speculate on it, that I had never thought about was, um, this is from C.S. Lewis as well, is that if there are such higher life forms out there, they are not actually sinful, which puts mm -hmm. us in a position of definitely not being morally superior, which I think, mm. you know, we always tend to put ourselves in and that talk about like a expanded worldview or a change in worldview that would have to take place. I'm sure there are probably implications to that, that I'm not thinking about that mm -hmm. um, are, are, are dangerous, but I thought that it was an interesting <laughs> That is interesting. Very to interesting. Th to think about. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's also interesting. This is sort of, a, I know we're kind of getting towards the end of our time here. Yeah, I think, you're but, good. Uh, um, it's interesting that there's so much more interested in, in, you know, UFOs, extraterrestrials and stuff. And, and there might be UFOs, unidentified or whatever they're called now, UAPs. UAPs, yeah. Um, I, you know, I spent a little time in the military and a little time in related work a very little time there, but uh, I know well enough there's a whole lot of top secret stuff, uh, like drones, right? Everybody's got a drone. Well, not everybody. Do you have a drone, Kelsey? I don't. But, I, uh, <laughs> I do not have a drone. Okay. But, you know, those <laughs> things were experimented with and not, Yeah. the public didn't know about those things, um, but they were tested out in, you know, military bases and stuff. And somebody may have seen, you know, things like that will be seen and they're unidentified flying objects. No big deal. Right. Um, but where was I going with this? Uh, <laughs> um, well, you, I was actually going to ask you about your time um, in the military. And if you had any, if you'd heard about <laughs> other, I don't know if this is where you were going, but if you've ever heard people say they've seen UFOs or UAPs or you've ever experienced it because you were, I know you were probably on the water. So yeah. Amount. Yeah. I was mostly underwater riding submarines and diving and whatnot. So, okay. but um, there's a whole lot of stuff that our intelligence agencies and, and other intelligence agencies around the world toy with, you know, remember, was it yes. a year ago when that, what, that that spy balloon or whatever it was was flying over the U.S. and nobody even knew what yeah. the, what it was at first. And yeah. there's all sorts of anomalies that we can't account for, and they're just classified as UFOs or they were originally. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have run into people, but they're starry-eyed people who, and that this is my what my point was. It's interesting that there's all this all this interest in ETs and UFOs and UAPs and so on really starts to peak in the 1960s. It kind of waned for a while, but now it's peaking again. And it also, I, I'm, not, I'm not really interested in doing this sort of historical research. I have a friend that you and I both know who probably knows the answer to this. Um, uh, I won't mention his name, but okay. um, <laughs> uh, all this, this interest also kind of coincides with um, sp a spike in the use of particular types of drugs, hallucinogenic drugs, like, like That's really interesting, um, huh. uh, you know, mushrooms and LSD. And I don't know, I don't even know the whole panoply of, of drugs out there. Cause I'm naive to that stuff, but yeah. Um, you know, if you spend much time on like Joe Rogan's podcast, not that I endorse that thing, but sometimes there's some interesting stuff. Um, 
you know, they, they giggle about using hallucinogenics and encountering different planes of reality and stuff. And I'm not saying people who are, who are, you know, like these whistle, this whistleblower, or whatever are using that, but it's interesting that, um, this stuff coincides with, with. That is interesting. I didn't even use. think about that correlation at all. I wonder if it has anything to do with, I, I when you said there was a correlation, would it, I'm, I have no idea. We're really going off the edge here, but like, is it, I wonder <laughs> if there's a correlation with political unrest too. Mm. I don't know. Cause it feels like that's a, a parallel between the sixties and our time, but. Yeah. And, and government dis well, yeah, here we go. Government disinformation. <laughs> Where are we going? Where are our tinfoil hats? We people. Yeah, yeah. We should probably not go further. <laughs> let's, let's stop while we're ahead. Um, yeah, I think I, there's definitely, it's what's interesting, I think in the last 10 years, cause I never really thought about UFOs or UAPs and we have a, um, an acquaintance here who has had two encounters that he hmm. can relay very clearly. Um, you know, he was like giving his infant daughter a bath and went outside and says he saw a UFO. Hmm. Um, so that I think was the first time I like talked with someone that has actually experienced it. And then just seeing all the stuff that's coming out in the news, it does seem like there's some, there's like, there have been real encounters in the air over water. Um, but there are before I think we, we rush to aliens and an alien invasion, we need to be patient and make sure we have, um, evidence because there's multiple ways that this could go. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's great advice. That's the reasonable, uh, approach. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm reasonable. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, you don't even, you don't even have to <laughs> bring in faith. It's just reasonable to say, Hey, let's, let's be patient here. I've met people too, um, who have like told me they've legitimately had, uh, experiences where one, one guy, he was living in Roswell, New Mexico. There's an LCMS church there, believe it or not. And I spoke hmm. there and brought home all kinds of alien yeah. souvenirs for my kids. Um, but uh, he he was uh, in the Army Special Forces, I believe. And so you have to be a pretty stoic kind of person to, to do that sort of thing. Uh, but he, he claimed to have been taken up into an alien spaceship, I think, well, at least two times over the course of his life. And I'm like, I mean. Wow. I, okay. <laughs> and I have, a, I have another friend who's, um, hopefully he won't listen to this, um, but was a, he's a master chief in the Navy. That's the highest enlisted rank. He's a reasonable person who doesn't claim any sort of abduction, but believe, claims that he's seen top secret evidence, of course, so none of us can see it, of yeah. alien technology, including a engine that could run off water, um, which was given by some alien life form. It's, I mean, I... If I had a martini right now, I would probably just <laughs> unload and mock this stuff, but I, I want to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish we were in person. I would get you one. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think we can end, we've, we've just gone on kind of a rabbit trail of speculation, but I've, uh, one thing that you, you have touched on, and I think I found comforting in all of this is that 
uh, Christianity, and this is this is straight from Bruce Hillman again, who we've we've been bringing up a lot, um, is uh, it's centered on the salvation of humanity universally and then specifically for you and me and adding in other life forms really doesn't um it might shake that a little bit but it it doesn't actually shake the promises that have been given it doesn't contradict those promises and it doesn't change those promises um and that's i think a comfort as you know things are changing and technology yeah. is changing and we're learning more about our universe. So, yeah. and second Corinthians five, I believe it's verse 19. God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos unto himself. So yeah. even if there are these other things, they would be part of the cosmos. Yeah. So that's great. Um, I know that you have a couple new things coming out. Cause I just had Dave mm-hmm. Anderson on as well. Can you tell us a little bit about, when the tell us about the new the new podcast and when it's launching and then also your course for the the academy which is out yet is it it just was released yeah i don't know when this will be released but it was uh, announced yesterday july 27th and it's it's live we had some hiccups with the quizzes but um uh with the software but uh i think that's fixed now Awesome. And yes, so David Anderson, you interviewed him last week or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, he and I have been recording pretty diligently podcasts that look at issues concerning faith and reason and the relationship. Uh, and the bigger picture is the task of Christian apologetics. So okay. the, the podcast is called The Faith and Reason Exchange. It is currently scheduled to be released August second or third, whatever the Wednesday is in the okay. first week of, of August. David and I both went to Oxford. He studied with Alistair McGrath. I had an office underneath Alistair McGrath, who's like the the guy or one of the guys who deals with faith and reason and, and yeah. science and so on. Um, we're getting our stride. And the comp for us, for he and I, we love the conversation. So that's, that yeah. makes it all worth it, whether anybody listens or not. But please do listen <laughs> and uh, give us a good review. <laughs> yes, I think people will. That's awesome. Yeah, and the the Academy course, which we, I don't know if we've mentioned all the 1517 oh, yeah. Academy courses are free, which is pretty mm-hmm. amazing, um, is also available on the website. I'll make sure to link to to both of those things. Yeah, so. the, the course is just called Faith and Reason. And it's a short course, yes. six, six yeah. sessions, 20 minutes each. So you can do it pretty quickly. Awesome. Thanks so much, Adam. Uh, <laughs> I hope we didn't it's ruin a wild ride. <laughs> I hope we didn't ruin your reputation. I think uh, but I do think it'll be interesting for people to listen to. So thanks for yeah. your time. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to today's conversation. If you enjoyed this episode or you've enjoyed any of the outside ourselves content, please give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you are sure to catch all of the future Outside Ourselves episodes coming up. We have some really great content coming out in the next couple of months.